0: Welcome to BJJ Mental Models, episode 83. I'm Steve Kwan. I'm Matt Kwan. BJJ Mental Models is your guide to a conceptual and intelligent jujitsu approach. So, Matt, how hot are you right now?
1: So, just so everyone knows, I'm sweating my bag off in my apartment. And for the sake of having better audio quality, I'm not setting myself up with a fan.
0: So, this is awesome because on my side i've got a noise cancelling mic and it's like i don't want to say it's cool but i don't feel like i'm gonna die sitting where i am right now but matt is like stuffed into a closet with a 40 dollar blue snowball mic to get decent audio quality for all of the listeners and all of the patrons so i don't want to hear any shit from people about how we don't sacrifice and we don't bleed for you guys like there's a lot of good free value coming out for you and you know it's not just a matter of recording there's legitimate pain and suffering related to making this podcast sometimes
1: (laughs) i'm in the sweat box it's miserable but i'm here to record (laughs) let's talk about some some jujitsu or whatever we're gonna what are we talking about today anyways
0: oh who knows yeah for those who don't know we live in port coquitlam bc canada and it's 30 degrees celsius i think today the summer is really kicking off i don't know what that comes into in terms of fahrenheit but it's hot
1: yeah it's actually pretty awesome we got some good rivers and outdoor places to see so we're pretty lucky here we're actually quite spoiled
0: i do get a kick out of how there's this river out back near where we live and there's always these rednecks sitting out there partying at like every single day i mean today when we're recording it's a monday and and i walked down for lunch and i saw all of these people out there partying and i was thinking what are you people doing with your life where you can go and just have random beach parties on a monday afternoon
1: dude it's covid time these people don't have jobs they don't work
0: <laughs> well clearly they need to get into the podcast industry oh so we were talking about this my wife and kid are out of town so i've basically regressed to just being an idiot bachelor again and i finally completed final fantasy 7 remake now what i really want to talk about today i want to do like a full one-and-a-half-hour in-depth discussion of that game, but I think probably we'll lose like 95% of our listeners. But Matt, you would agree it's awesome, right? It's
1: awesome. Here's my criticism of the game. I have two criticisms.
0: No spoilers.
1: No, I'm not going to spoil anything. Okay. Number one... It's way too easy. It's quite easy. Even on the most difficult setting, I found it easy. Even though I loved the interactive fighting uh, system and everything and the graphics and the, I mean, the environment is incredible. But it's it's far too easy uh, aside from a few bosses, which are pretty easily solved if you just use your brain. And then the other criticism is there's many parts of the game where it basically just funnels you exactly where you need to go and i guess a third criticism is the problem solving is really easy so if any criticism is there it's it's just that it was too easy but goddamn tifa's hot
0: yeah i did kind of feel and we'll get to tifa in a second i did kind of feel like you're getting funneled down a hallway like the entire oh, game the and entire it's an,
1: game entire yeah, and it's
0: an incredible hallway like it, it really is immersive that game the world they've created is awesome and The soundtrack is easily the greatest soundtrack ever made for anything. It's amazing. So
1: nostalgic. It's so awesome.
0: But that said, it's a pretty easy game and there's not a lot of exploration that you can do it's a lot of narrow corridors and i know that in the original game it kind of starts off that way and then later on it kind of opens up but yeah there's not a lot of wide exploration that you can do it's very linear but that said though if you have any nostalgia for the original i definitely recommend it it's also kind of like a, a fun thing to do during like covid time if you're looking for something to take your mind off of the world <laughs> it's a it's a good experience in- interestingly i moved on now to play Playing the last of us and that is the worst number two number two and that is the worst thing you could possibly play during a global pandemic because yeah. it's a super depressing game it is about a global pandemic and it's just everything in the game is absolutely miserable so i'm uh i'm like two hours into that and i am not loving it so far
1: yeah i just don't like in final fantasy 7 how there's that scene where you essentially get raped you get pass out and then who knows what Don Corn is? It Cornelio, Cornholio, Cornelio. <laughs> Don Cornholio's henchmen like literally have their way with you. It's weird. You wake up and you're like, <laughs> they. It's very suggestive. I'm not. I'm not exaggerating at all.
0: So we've probably lost like 95 percent of our audience at this point. But let's continue that thought. So for those of you who have no idea what Matt's talking about. The original Final Fantasy VII, I want to say, came out in like the late 90s. And it was the first one of those games that like actual normal people played (laughs) because before that it was just total total nerds who would play that game and that was the one that kind of broke through a little bit into the mainstream and there is a part of the game where you have to like infiltrate this mafia boss's headquarters and the only way to do that is he's got a soft spot for the ladies so they decide brilliantly that they need to dress up your male character as a sexy lady to sneak him in and if you do it right like if you do it Really right, and you get like all of the right bonuses and everything, and you do it just the right way. Your reward is you get raped by his henchmen, like, (laughs) and like I'm not exaggerating. You can Google this; that happens in the original game. Now they softened it in the remake for obvious reasons, but still, it's really fucked up. And it's one of those things where I don't know about you, Matt, but when I was a kid. And I saw that, like, it didn't really register. And maybe it's just because I was so young, I just thought it was this stupid thing. But looking back at it now, (laughs) I can't believe they put that into a video game. Like, it's really fucked up that that made it into a video game that released to that many millions of people.
1: Well, let's be honest. Like, throughout most Japanese games, there's tons of suggestive shit. There's. There's girls who are walking around in skimpy clothes and, you know, have really busty figures. And even there's times when there's like seemingly underage characters that are made out to look really attractive. It's kind of creepy, to be honest. And I don't know. It's very suggestive.
0: That's an aesthetic in Japanese games that honestly I find really...
1: Awesome. I mean, horrible.
0: <laughs> I find it really distracting because it is really, really hard to take a game seriously when that shit's going on. But yeah, no, to your point, I mean, Tifa is a great example because... Like you're supposed to believe that this woman is like this incredible killer martial artist, which is bizarre because she's supposed to be like 20 years old and she's a bartender. But you're also (laughs) supposed to believe that she's like like basically like Chuck Norris that, you know, she's just this incredible martial artist. But does she dress like a martial artist or a fighter? No, she wears like basically a skin tight tank top and a mini skirt and it's just absolutely preposterous the whole game
1: game she keeps saying god i need a shower (laughs) the whole entire game
0: that's one of those unfortunate things about the game which is like after a battle there's stock audio clips that play you know like a kind of like to close it out i guess but one of tifa's is she says something like i need a shower but i'm telling you she says that like every five minutes and it gets really weird after a
1: while (laughs) it is weird but It's a good game. I was also a little bit disappointed that they basically took the game and then they only did the first part. So we've waited all this time for a remake when they didn't really give you the second half or maybe even there's more than the second half. Maybe they're going to make it a three-parter. So by the time I'm 60, I'll be able to finish the game.
0: I think I saw that they're going to do a trilogy. So you are going to be waiting for a while.
1: Do you think they've even start they must have like the groundwork done for the second and the third
0: you would right? assume so I really hope it's not another five year wait I hope that it's a year or two I mean maybe that's just wishful thinking but I really want to continue off on this game before I forget about it but yeah it was otherwise absolutely awesome and has absolutely nothing to do with this podcast except nah. that it's great so if you're into that thing go do it
1: so we're in- we're ten minutes in now <laughs> sorry is this everyone. a record is this a
0: record of wasted <laughs> uh, time
1: oh boy <clears throat> what an embarrassment
0: yeah well you know if this has been compelling to you for some reason i don't even i can't even imagine why it would be but anyway yeah so final fantasy 7 remake thumbs up give it a go this is a jujitsu podcast right i guess we should probably talk about <laughs> something kind of relevant yeah shoot Okay, cool. Well, we had a bunch of ideas that we wanted to talk about, but something that came up recently, actually, when I was talking to Rory on the podcast about online education was the fear of taking the first step basically how whenever you want to do anything meaningful or important it's hard for a variety of reasons it is psychologically very challenging to actually take that first step on a new journey and both Rory and I had talked about how when we wanted to start in his case a youtube channel in our case a podcast it's kind of intimidating at first because you're basically putting your opinion out there to the world to who knows how many people and you're really opening yourself up to a lot of criticism and of course the challenge to doing anything new is at the time you start you don't really have a track record or any real reason why people should take you seriously so Uh, You know, it reminds me of that old like Adam Sandler, Chris Farley skit where they're talking about how they're all going to laugh at you. (laughs) You know, you Mm kind of worry when you're going to do a new initiative like that. Am I just going to get humiliated by doing this? So realistically, probably a lot of the things that people should do for their own personal growth, they never really do. And that first step never really gets taken. And the irony is, Matt, and you know this as well as I do, once you actually give it a shot and you try that super scary thing, usually it turns out not to be as scary as you thought and usually the worst case scenario is actually like it's not as bad as you thought it would be but it's a really really critical psychological hang-up and it definitely is commonplace in jiu-jitsu i mean first and foremost we've all been through the struggle of the intimidation factor of showing up for your first class i mean i remember when I decided that I wanted to do a martial art and I'd settled on jujitsu and honestly I that's even something that I really dragged my feet on right I probably should have started five years before I did but I just kind of put it off and part of that is because it's kind of a scary thing and that first class is super intimidating but once you get past it we all know it's not that bad but it continues on, right? I mean, if you go into a competition, you're going to get that competition jitters for the first time. If you teach a class for the first time, I mean, that, that can be a pretty harrowing experience the first time you have to actually teach. And of course, you know, when you get to black belt or brown belt or wherever, and you decide that it's time to go off on your own and you want to open your own business you want to open your own gym I mean then you have to deal with that fear again so the thing about that path to success is it's a constant struggle of having to overcome that fear of taking the first step on a new journey and that's something that I I mean Matt I know you've got thoughts on so why don't you go ahead and riff on this
1: yeah I mean basically This is what you're describing as milestones and throughout life, there's so many milestones and I can think of so many that I've gone through, you know, I mean, my first jiu-jitsu class, my first jiu-jitsu competition, you know, when you get a new belt and now you're competing at a different level, um, you're wondering how you're going to fare against people of the same rank. You know, I've done cooking competitions in my previous career and those are nerve-wracking, you know. Like Iron Um, Chef? It wasn't It wasn't like black box, like Iron Chef, although I have done a few like that, but I, I've done a few different rules. You know, it's usually like you got to make a first, second, third course. One of them was black box, meaning you don't know the ingredients inside. Maybe, you know, like uh, you have to make three dishes within a certain time frame and then, you know, one main ingre- one ingredient for each dish, but you don't know what else is in the black box. And then there's competitions I've done where it's like, you have to design your dishes ahead of time. And then you come in and, you know, you have to use what they give you. So it's, it is nerve wracking. It's, it's difficult. And it's, it sucks when you lose. <laughs> I've I've won some competitions and I've lost some competitions. And in the end, I just, you know, I realized I'm like, this kind of sucks. Like, I, even if I, if I win awesome, but if I lose, then you know i didn't really like gain anything like yeah i i learned how to be a better cook and i learned about time management and i learned about stress but kind of sucks (laughs) like in jujitsu at least when you train for a competition you put in the work you get into a better level of fitness you know and i'm more passionate about jujitsu than i was about cooking
0: i have a question yeah when you start one of these competitions is there an asian man who takes a bite (laughs) out of an apple and then turns and smiles coyly at you
1: No, but he was there with me in spirit. (laughs) Amazing. But yeah, you know, it's so, and, and then another good one is, you know, getting your driver's license going in, we, in Canada here, we have the L test and the N test, which are basically like beginner and intermediate levels for your driver's license. Like all of these things are nerve wracking. I can remember the first time I drove a standard, my last car was a standard. And if you've ever driven a standard and you don't know how yet, man it sucks because you go out and drive and and you're just hoping you don't fuck up basically and if you have to stop on a hill and you know you have to start on that hill it can be really crazy especially if someone's behind you so you know these are all nerve-wracking moments and and uh to your point i think the best the best way to approach these challenges at least what i've done is it's a mental battle and then you just realize you gotta fucking do it you know if you if you avoid these challenges and you just never test yourself then you know, like they say, nothing ventured, nothing gained. So uh, a big part of it is developing the courage to be able to actually go through with these milestones in life.
0: You know, it's funny you mention that because a lot of people really obsess over this and they ask themselves, well, what is the trick? You know, what is the trick to doing these big things? And I think really, at least from my experience, the answer is at some point you just say, fuck it, and you just do it (laughs) yeah totally there is no big trick there is no psychological process of you know how you prepare yourself it's just at some point you just get frustrated that it's not being done and you do it (laughs) and that's kind of how you overcome that hump i don't think there's a big psychology around it and i actually kind of wonder if the more you think about taking that first step into something new, the more you're going to fuck yourself because you're going to basically psych yourself out of actually doing it. And I kind of feel like sometimes, you know, if you're humming and hawing over whether you want to take that first step, it's better to not get caught up in your own thoughts and just go ahead and do it.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, in the end of the day, it's at least what I've found is it's just a mental battle, you know, and, and a lot of the time it's, it's your own fear and your own self-doubt and anxiety that really plays a factor and once you start doing something it's really not that scary like even in a jujitsu competition for me the most nerve-wracking part is like driving to the venue and then waiting all day to until your name is called once i'm actually on the mat i feel pretty much comfortable you know even even in high stress situations um at least it's really a familiar feeling for me because we're tr- you know i'm training hours and hours a day so uh it's it's the waiting around and the warming up and the uh you know the anticipation that i'm not used to and driving to a venue that you never go to and you know maybe you're in a different city like these are all unfamiliar things but once I actually step onto the mat and I get to my position that I like I I actually oddly enough feel pretty comfortable so a lot of it has to do with mindset and how you mentally prepare yourself for something challenging like that but life is full of things that are nerve-wracking and things that will test your courage and if you you know if you don't just say fuck it and just do it and you know if you succeed you succeed if you fail you fail if you don't do that then you're not going to gain anything so it's i think it's better to have tried and failed than to not try at all
0: i fully understand what you're saying there and i think that when people get into these situations where they're kind of obsessing over oh should i go forward with this should i not the the thing that you need to do to move forward is you need to learn to kind of bring your mind back into the present moment because the more you're worrying about like what's going to happen two days from now three days from now you know even a few minutes a few hours from now the more that you're focused on this thing you're afraid of that's coming up the more you're preventing yourself from actually preparing in the moment so that's kind of the challenge is that the more you actually think about something and the more you worry about it the more you're going to put yourself in a situation where you hesitate to actually do it Mm. and sometimes you need to actually just pull the trigger and do something now this gets a little bit tricky because that's not to say that you want to just do things with abandon without considering the risks right there's a lot of things that you don't want to do because there's stupid things to do and you've got to really think about whether there's a good reason to do something you've got to do an analysis in your head in terms of like okay what could actually go wrong if i do this but a lot of the things that we're talking about here like showing up for your first jujitsu class these are pretty low risk things right really the benefit is going to dramatically outweigh any downside that comes out of it there are other stupid things that you could do like getting into a bar fight for example might be one of those stupid things where there's a lot more to lose than there is to gain but for the kinds of things we're talking about here today like when you identify those situations where you know it's basically just more upside than downside then continuing to obsess over it and all of the things that could go wrong like there's a point where planning too much actually starts to psych you out and Causes you to hesitate in such a way that you might never actually be able to bring yourself to take that first step. So, when I hear people who talk about how, like, oh, I just want to do this, but, you know, I'm afraid, or I just want to do this, but I'm waiting for the right time, the challenge there is the more you analyze what's going to happen in the future, the more you give yourself reasons not to do those things. And you can wind up actually talking yourself out of those things. And of course, most people, they're not going to admit it's because they're afraid, but that's a big part of it, right? Is, you know, they're they're coming up with reasons not to do something because there's a fear of loss there's a fear of humiliation there's a fear of something going terribly wrong um, and so there is that point where going beyond and doing excessive mental preparation can actually be a detriment to you.
1: Yeah, like when you're saying stuff like, oh, will I ever be ready? One of the things that comes to my mind is having children or getting married. Like these are huge marital milestones that you know, so many of us go through. And I remember before I was married and I was with my wife, she wanted to get married and I was like, oh, I don't know if, you know, if we're ready or whatever. And and then of course we got married and then I thought, and then she wanted to have a kid. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready. And the truth is, is that if you think like that, then you're really never going to be ready. And you're totally right about second guessing yourself and doubting yourself when really sometimes you just got to go and do it. And my one of my biggest fears about procrastinating and second second-guessing yourself is that it becomes a habit and that you start to approach problems and possible accomplishments in your life and different milestones uh, with that mindset of can I actually do this or am I able to do this is this something that is possible because if you really start second-guessing that could easily become a habit now I've realized that going into something you know as stressful as a competition or uh, you know going to a class or having a child all these big things if you have that mindset of self-doubt and not having that confidence to just try then you know you're, you're going to be holding yourself back so at some point you just kind of what's the saying bite the bullet and just move forward and if you fail that's a great way to learn and make adjustments if you succeed awesome
0: well that's a really important thing to clarify which is that a lot of the time when people don't want to do something when they create a bunch of reasons as to why oh i can't do this or i don't want to do this a lot of the time is because they're afraid of failure but That's a mindset where you're looking at failure as losing. And I mean, I know that sounds kind of weird, but we've talked about this before in the podcast about how failure is sometimes a good thing because when you fail, it's a learning opportunity. If you look at failure as taking away something from you or some sort of public humiliation, then of course you're going to think negatively about it. But if you look at failure as a learning opportunity that's going to help you succeed more next time, then you realize pretty quickly there's nothing to be ashamed of in terms of failure. And in fact, it's something that you should not avoid, but you should actively move towards. You should go to opportunities where you have the possibility of failing. Because if you're only doing things where there's no risk of failure, then by definition, you're playing it safe. And that means you're just not going to grow. You're denying yourself growth opportunities. So for me, that's something that you always want to kind of be self-critical of is looking at your life and asking yourself, am I playing it too safe? Am I living in such a way that I'm trying to avoid any kind of failure any kind of loss because if that's the situation you've put yourself in I mean yes you are maybe minimizing your losses but you're also denying yourself possible gains and growth opportunities
1: yeah Uh, it's funny like we're talking about things that we can control so you know you do a jiu-jitsu competition you can control your your preparation and your diet and your game plan your strategy you go in there you compete you win or you lose whatever These are things that we can control for the most part. We have the ability to influence the outcome of the situation. However, there's also going to be times in life where things are not going to be within your control so for example like I got a knee surgery about a year ago and I was worried about it and didn't know what the result was gonna be like really you know they do an MRI on your knee but they and they can tell you sort of what's going on with your meniscus but they actually can't tell you exactly where it's broken or whatever until they go in there some people go in with like a damaged ACL and you know you have to make a decision when that doctor goes in to scope out your meniscus if that's something they need to do if you feel like your ACL is also if it needs work then you have to either consent or not consent for the surgeon to replace the ACL and they only know what the damage on the ACL is once they really go in there like the MRI it actually doesn't tell you everything so you kind of have to make this decision like is my acl bad enough where it needs a full replacement and if it is then that's going to mean you know maybe a year off whereas if you just agree to the meniscus cleaning that's that's essentially like a uh, a month off you know realistically and then you can get right back to training so you got to make this decision and it's none of it is in your control really maybe the surgeon fucks up or maybe the surgeon's awesome i don't know it's just something it's just one of those things that you kind of have to hope you know goes for the better uh, another example of making a big decision that's kind of scary where you don't really have any control would be like uh you know for example getting a tattoo like i i've got two small tattoos and uh i'm not going to lie that that was nerve wracking like leading up to it you know it's going to be painful you're not quite sure how much pain it's going to be you don't know what it's going to look like when it's done these are all kind of stressful things and none of them are really within your control the only control you really have is the artist you select you know hopefully you catch them on a good day and hopefully they're they're on that day and also how are you going to cope with the pain personally for me when i got my tattoo i instantly started sweating bullets in the chair (laughs) just sweating uncontrollably a lot of it was terror sweat but you know it's the stress of it all and you don't you have no idea how it's going to turn out on a smaller scale i guess it could be like getting a haircut personally i hate getting a haircut because i'm worried that they're going to screw it up so these are all things really yeah yeah i'm 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 kind of ocd about that
0: you hate getting a haircut i mean i guess i can't really relate because i haven't yeah, really you shave your head <laughs> i haven't had anyone else cut my hair in like 10 or 15 years so i guess it's just something i can't really relate to
1: yeah no i used to shave my head but then you started doing it so i stopped of course <laughs> Because I don't wanna be a I don't wanna look like you. No, I'm just of kidding. you're a very good looking man. Thank you. But yeah, some things you're just not gonna be in control of. But you know, if you don't put yourself in those situations, you can't achieve those things. So sometimes you just gotta throw caution into the wind and and do your, you know, and do it.
0: I think for some people, the fact that in some situations they can control the outcome makes it even scarier for them. <laughs> because, you know, if something happens to you, and you have really no ability to control it and you just have to move on with your life then at least you can tell yourself well i had nothing to do with this there's nothing i could have done but if it's a situation where you actually can control the outcome and it doesn't go your way then you have to own that and i mean we've talked about how on the podcast that's a good thing but for some people they're not going to interpret that as a good thing right they're going to avoid those situations because it's going to reflect poorly on them i mean i'm reminded of when you duck the hard roll in the gym right you know there's the guy that you know is going to kick your ass so you avoid rolling with him because you don't want to have everyone see you get your ass kicked in front of everybody and although that's understandable you're actually shying away from the growth opportunities that you need to improve because you just roll with the guys that you're going to tune every single time i mean your ability to improve from that hits a ceiling pretty quickly so i think for some people it might actually be scary when they do have agency in the outcome because when it doesn't go their way they've got to own up to that and accept that. like look i i have to own this i i could have done this but i failed to do it and if the ego's involved that can be a very painful thing
1: yeah i think i think a lot of people when they go into something like a competition they i think we've discussed this before in previous episodes where they basically create excuses for themselves even before the competition because for whatever reason they don't they actually don't think that they can win or they're trying to soften the blow of failure that, you know, if they they go and try this, try to achieve this goal and then they come up short, they can say, oh, well, well, I didn't really... You know, I'm just I'm just a recreational guy trying a competition. I don't really care if I win. It's like, well, why are you investing time and money doing something like that anyways? Like, it's it's great to get experience and just try something. But personally, for me, I have the mindset where if I try to do something, I try and apply myself 100%. Otherwise, I just won't try something. You know, imagine imagine you start a business and then your, your mindset is like, oh, well, I'm just going to try this. I'm not even going to really, you know, if I fail, I fail. It's like, it's not really an option to do that because then you got to go back to your previous life and then you've lost a ton of resources trying to start something up. So it's just not, it's not a smart way to think.
0: Well, I think there is a situation where it makes sense not to go a hundred percent on something. I mean, the example I would give is as we've established earlier in this podcast, I like playing video games. Now there are competitive gamers out there who make millions of dollars doing competitive video gaming as a full-time hobby i have no interest in doing that i mean i don't even play online multiplayer because i have so little time to play these things that i suck at it (laughs) you know when i play a video game i just want to waste some time and take my mind off of things so in a situation like that i think it makes sense if you're honest with yourself about hey this is what i want out of this and this is the amount of effort i'm willing to put into it i think that that's one thing but yeah if you're going to go into something trying to talk yourself out of success is a weird habit it's a a defensive mechanism that i think people deploy so that when they do lose they can kind of make it look like that was the plan all along even if it wasn't
1: yeah i know a few people that do that and they kind of suck not gonna lie like they're not they're just not really excellent at what they do so if that's the mindset that you have, then it's not really, you know, you get what you put in, you're just never going to compare to someone who wants something so bad that they will die for that, you know, and those people exist, especially when you're talking about jujitsu at the highest level or business at the highest level, you know, it's just, if you don't want something that bad, and you're not willing to sacrifice and put the time in, then unfortunately, you're not going to get anywhere with that. So uh, I think a lot of it just comes down to mindset now this being said steve let's get you in a competition come
0: on not gonna happen
1: for the for the people listening don't you guys think steve should do one competition come on
0: maybe we should set a goal like if we get up to like (laughs) Five thousand patrons—just
1: <laughs> <laughs> an unrealistic number.
0: Although with my like, that would actually happen, though. No, I mean for me, it's well, it's the same example I gave with video games, right? It's just for me, jiu-jitsu has always been a fun hobby. It's never really been something I took super duper seriously. I just I like it as a way to get exercise and to ultimately get some, you know, learn some degree of self defense. But I remember, you know, it's funny you mentioned this because I remember, of course, when I was a white belt, there's like a almost like a pressure campaign for anyone who does jiu-jitsu they're like oh if you're doing jiu-jitsu you surely you must want to do a competition and this is one of the interesting things i find about jiu-jitsu which is that it seems like everyone just kind of assumes that well if you're training jiu-jitsu the goal must be that you want to compete at some point and a, a lot of hobbies and even casual sports don't seem to have that kind of mindset and i wonder if it stems from the fact that so many of these gyms are created by competitors so that is their wor- Worldview, but it's just something that's never really honestly appealed to me. I mean, sure, you could argue that maybe I'm just afraid of taking that first step. I mean, I definitely was when I was a white belt and people told me, oh, you should, you know, you should consider competing. But I look at it now, you know, pushing 40. I've got all of these things that I want to do in my life that take up so much of my time and I can only divide my attention in so many ways. And every hour that I spend on jujitsu is a distraction from. From those other things that I've prioritized above so at some point you kind of have to time box things right you have to say like look the maximum amount of time I'm willing to spend on this or that is so many hours because i it's just going to start at some point stopping being fun and taking away from the things that i've prioritized higher so it gets to be a really really difficult conversation with yourself and i don't know if there is a really a right answer i mean i think we've talked about this in the past where i mean if you were to ask me to tell you that it is 100 true that I don't want to compete I'm not even sure I could answer that right because it is totally possible that actually I'm just subconsciously afraid of it that's one of those things that is, is very hard to answer is because sometimes those subconscious fears you don't even realize they're happening but I do have to admit I would much rather play Final Fantasy VII Remake than compete.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, the first few competitions I did, I don't even know if I would say they were enjoyable, really, even though I I won, I got double gold in my first tournament, but it was only awesome because I won. Like, the whole process of leading up was not enjoyable. Uh, and you kind of have to... I mean, I guess you kind of got to be a glutton for punishment, really. And, and like I said, what we described earlier about going into something just to just to try it and just to have fun it's like well you don't really care if you win or lose then so for me i wouldn't do a competition unless i really
0: wanted to win yeah that's a weird mentality because even if you don't want to be like a total world beater if at some point you've made the decision that okay i'm going to at least try this then you should at least try to win it is not good to start rallying your excuses before you've even tried i mean i'm trying to think of like what that would look like in another walk of life like imagine that you you know you there's a job that you want and You go to the interview and they ask you why you applied here and you say well you know i just you know i'm I'm just here for the fun i don't don't really think i'm like good enough to actually do this job but you know i i thought well i might as well throw my hat in the ring and see what happens but yeah i'm not expecting to get this job
1: (laughs) i'm just seeing if i can get it i don't actually think i can do the job (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) so it's an interesting thing and i think that Again, one of the things that's fascinating about jiu-jitsu is so many weird psychological tendencies we have are just totally laid bare, right? Because everything is so immediate. The feedback is very immediate. It's very direct, right? Like you're literally sparring with somebody. It can't get much more direct than that. And when you're out in the real world, you often don't get that kind of direct feedback and you're not really put in a situation where you have to confront your inner fears that often right I mean you can go decades without ever having to really have like an existential moment with yourself whereas in jujitsu it happens quite frequently and I think that's one of the reasons why it is such a useful tool for personal development is because it really forces you to to be introspective it puts you in bad positions both physically and emotionally sometimes and you you have to learn to roll with that right and it's it's one thing to like say hey i'm bad at jujitsu i mean we've talked about this in the past about how like you know some people say oh i'm bad at jujitsu and I mean if we're going to be completely honest not everyone is great at jujitsu and not everyone necessarily will become great at jujitsu but the thing is it's okay to be bad because being bad is a stepping stone to getting better like if you're not willing to be honest and open with yourself about the fact that hey i have room to improve and you're not willing to take the actions to make that improvement then you won't improve right and
1: mm. I,
0: I feel like when people say things like oh i'm not very good at jiu-jitsu or oh i, I don't think i'm going to win this tournament i just figured i'd give it a go like they're kind of hedging their losses emotionally so that they can avoid having to really make the commitment to get better the next time around right and that's i think it's actually much better to just go in and just own it <laughs> and just say like yeah you know yes i won yes, I lost. Here's why. Here's the situation. Here's how I become better. I think if you kind of go in with that baked in layer of excuses, then it makes it a lot easier to deny yourself the opportunity to improve after the fact.
1: Yeah, let's, let's for a second remove the example of competition and think about someone taking that I don't really care attitude into just the practice room. It's like that would be the most, as an instructor, that would be the most irritating thing ever to have people on the mats that are like, I don't really care if I get better. I'm just sort of here just to take up mat space and to say that I do, that, that I do a martial art or whatever. It's like, well, if you're here and you're putting in the time, if you don't work hard and you don't do your best to, to improve, you're now a liability. Now you're you're actually making the training environment shittier. So why would you bring that attitude to the school? Like I I only want people at my school who actually want to get better and i'm not afraid to say that like i I don't want people who don't care about it i don't want people that are like oh i'm just i'm i don't really that that, that's like someone coming in and and i show them a technique and they're like "Eh, i don't really care about that technique or that that's not going to work for me or you know they don't even they just basically disregard it you know when you when you go into the gym or whatever like you should have that attitude at least you know you're going to try your best even if even if you're not good um at least if you try to be good then i can totally forgive the fact that you're not good is because you ha- it's all about attitude right but you have that attitude like uh, i don't really care or you you're relaxed and you you slack and and you ta- you start weighing people down and it, and you become uh less than just not good you become actually negative because you influence other people in the room negatively
0: yeah i can definitely relate to that i mean i've worked with people like that who clearly just don't want to be there and it's not a decision that impacts just themselves. It impacts everyone around them. It drags everyone down. It starts to impact the culture. It it's actually called emotional contagion it's where the emotions that you bring to the table are contagious and they can affect the people around you and it's why if you're ever leading a team it's so important to deal with that head-on if someone is expressing those tendencies because yeah it's going to be an uncomfortable conversation if you pull someone aside and talk to them about their negativity or how like they clearly don't care it's going to be awkward and you might feel like the easier thing to do is just to ignore it and do nothing but the problem is if you do that that mentality is going to spread Mm -hmm. and even if it doesn't spread at the bare minimum it's going to start impacting the other people in the room to the point where kind of the morale of the whole team is going to go down and everyone's going to slow down with them i mean it only takes one toxic person to ruin a team so (laughs) that is something to bear in mind is that you know if you're kind of baking in all of these excuses about how you don't want to get better it isn't always just you that gets impacted by that it actually can impact the people around you as well because i mean human beings are social animals right we look to others for behavioral cues and if you're setting the message that your endeavor is something that is not worth caring about other people will pick up on that
1: yeah absolutely steve step into the arena come on do it for me
0: like in in final fantasy because i already cleared the coliseum did you actually
1: because i didn't do that
0: so i cleared the first coliseum and then after you beat the game it like opens up a whole bunch more advanced coliseum stuff and i thought fuck it i'm just gonna go play the last of us so i did
1: yeah but really come on it just doesn't appeal to
0: me i mean when I was younger, I mean, I, I kind of sort of thought about it, but a lot of the reason why I think a lot of people get kind of pushed in that direction is because that is one of the interesting things about jiu-jitsu is there is like a funnel into getting students into competition. I think competition is given an outsized weight in jujitsu. I mean, as a gym owner, you know, like the majority of the students that float your gym are not super competitive grapplers. A lot of yeah. them are just there to learn. But the one thing about jiu-jitsu is we do really put an outsized emphasis on the importance of competition and I gotta say like at this point in my life it just isn't something that really appeals to me and even when I first started I mean I kind of felt like it was something that you had to do because everyone in the gym said well if you're training surely you have to compete and people thought it was really baffling that I wasn't interested in it but I'm just not it just really never has been something that appeals to me personally I mean I I look at the ROI for it for myself and it's just I kind of have a a box around how much time I'm willing to spend on any particular activity like that. It's just, it's not the thing I want to do with my life is to devote all of that time and energy into competing. And I don't begrudge anyone who does want to do that. But for me, I mean, I've got so many other things that I need to accomplish that I've got to be honest with the limitations of my time. And that time for me, I made the decision to spend it elsewhere. So Probably I'll never compete, especially now that I'm old and fat and fragile. (laughs) I feel like it's probably even a worse idea at this point than it would have been when I was younger.
1: That's what Masters is for, man. If you're a listener, send us, send Steve your hate mail and let's get him to compete. I
0: already get enough of that. Maybe I'll wait until I'm like 70 and then i'll go into like masters 10 or whatever the division (laughs) is to the point where like i'll probably have to do it in costa rica because it like no one would actually ensure that fight and then like everyone will be so old and out of shape that you know actually probably i'll even out
1: yeah i wonder how long i'll compete for hopefully as long as i can
0: i know a lot of people who compete well into their later years but there does seem to be that cutoff point right once people get to around 40 they kind of hang it up and I think that's just because, I mean, part of it is because it's hard to be competitive past that age. But even if you did want to keep going into the, like the late master's divisions, I think once you get to that age, there's just other stuff that comes up in your life, which now is a higher priority. And usually at that point, you've started the process of giving back to the next generation. And pretty quickly, that becomes where you want to focus your attention, especially because if you're doing it professionally and you run a gym that's where you're making your money (laughs) so it makes sense that that would now become your focus over actually competing but maybe that's something else that we should touch on matt is the fear of like opening a gym or really opening any kind of business for that matter Mm -hmm. to kind of put yourself out there that's a different level of scary because not only is there the risk of personal humiliation there is also now the risk of financial ruin (laughs) right (gasps) that adds a totally different scare factor because if you screw that up i mean if you have a family you know now you're putting them at risk it might be harder for you to get back on the horse if the at a different job if the company doesn't work out that you've created like there's a lot of challenges with starting your own business now again we've talked in the past about calculating return on investment and i think when people are afraid of taking the first step into something a big part of that is They haven't really sat down and actually thought through what is the upside and what is the downside. Because if you're going to be honest, if you live in basically any country that has a developed economy, opening a business is generally not very risky, right? The whole economy is structured to incentivize people to do just this. So the upside to you could be a dramatic increase in your personal financial well being. The downside, I mean, even if your business goes bust, it's actually not really that big a loss at the end of the day. I mean, it might make for a few awkward job interviews in the future if you have to explain it, but it's really not that big a deal. But I think for people who are debating taking that first step into doing a new big business or any kind of initiative like that, i think that maybe they have an incorrect calculation as to how risky it is and i think they probably think it's worse than it actually is going to be
1: yeah you know like starting a business is it's scary but it's also for me really motivating and i kind of look at starting a business as i do driving a car for the first time or another example would be firing a gun for the first time you know i just went to get my pal which is like basically a gun license And, you know, the first time you handle a gun or the first time you step into a car, it's like, it's kind of nerve wracking. It's very foreign. You know, you almost feel like the car controls you or the gun controls you. But if you have that mindset where you're intimidated by the tool itself, then um, you are going to be intimidated. It's going to affect The decisions you make and how you handle it whereas if you take the the mindset of no I'm just going to take control of this machine I'm gonna I'm the one who dictates what this machine does then it's a lot easier to take the stress out of the out of the equation and you can actually focus on improving and learning so i sort of think of the same thing as a business whereas if you want to start a business but you are intimidated by it and you think that you have that self-doubt you know what if i fail or what you know all that stuff like if you listen to that at all then it doesn't lead to good things well actually that's not true because what it actually should do is have the effect of motivation if you are able to you know look at the failure not as an intimidating thing but just as a reality and then because of that reality you are going to be motivated and you know that there's no chance you will fail that is the best attitude i think to have a business and that is that's the attitude that i had when i started my business because i knew that if you know if i was worried about things then I'm just wasting my energy. You can't be wasting energy fearing failure, even though it is a possibility anytime you start something like that. Instead, I just took that fear and I turned it into motivation. Essentially, I refuse to go back cooking. That's sort of what my goal is. In three to five years, I don't want to cook anymore. I want to be retired from that and I just want to do jiu And yeah, because because I had that mindset, I was able to do something like that. So, I think that that's kind of the mindset you should have. And and just to add to that, say parenting, for example. You know, so many, I think a lot of people, a lot of young people nowadays are kind of intimidated from being a parent because they're told that kids cost so much And they can't go party anymore, which is true. And, you know, they can't accomplish things, which is not true. Um, And they're worried that kids hold them back. But uh, what they don't think about is how motivating everything in your life is after you have kids. Because, you know, in a business, for example, it's like, well, if I fuck this up, then my kids aren't going to eat so it's one of the most motivating things you can do i think is have kids and i think that you can totally be a high level jiu-jitsu competitor and have kids you can be a high level business person and have kids you know you can start businesses and all this stuff with something like a child which is so time consuming and it does it does consume resources not as much as i think i think the common narrative says but it's more of a motivating factor for me than um something that holds me back
0: yeah i agree with that completely i put off having a kid for many many years and a big part of that was because you know I wanted to make sure that I was totally 100% ready but I think part of the reason I put it off as long as I did was because you know everyone I talked to said oh kids are so hard you know it's going to be so much work and it kind of puts fear into you but you know like you said Matt I have to say after having the kid you know I mean yeah it's a lot of hard work but it's not as bad as i thought it was going to be it's it's rough sometimes when there's a constant drag on your attention and you never get a moment to yourself Mm -hmm. right i mean it's not always fun but that said it was nowhere near as much of a challenge as i thought it was going to be because people talk about it how like you know it's going to just completely ruin your life and you'll never be able to do anything again Mm -hmm. that is just not true that's a common
1: narrative that i think is it i think it prevents a lot of people from wanting to be parents
0: or putting it off like it certainly did for me, where I put it off for a long time. And you know it's kind of a silly narrative when you think about it because I mean human beings have been around for a long long time if having a kid were really that big of a disaster we probably wouldn't have survived as long as we have and that's not to say that it's easy but it is one of those things where you know there is no way to truly be ready for it I mean yes there's things you can do to make it easier if you're financially stable of course that's going to make it a lot easier but at the end of the day having a kid is one of those things that you just can never truly be ready for For Mm -hmm. and it just comes down to doing it and i think a lot of these things we've talked about here fall under under that same boat people want an easy answer they want to be told if you check all of these boxes then you will be ready but for anything that matters usually the conversation is not that simple (laughs) usually you kind of at some point just have to do it and that's the only way that you can truly become ready it's a you know it's funny i've been thinking about the concept of expertise a lot recently and like what what does it mean to actually be an expert at something and you know there's a lot of different ways you can define that based on education or experience or, or whatever but one thing that is actually interesting is that you can't actually become an expert at something until you've done it. So this creates a weird situation where you want to become an expert, but you can't become an expert until you've actually done something. And so people will not take you seriously. But as soon as you've done it, then the whole world changes. And now people take you seriously as an expert, right? Uh It's it's an odd thing. It's like how, uh, I mean, an example everyone can relate to if you are just going into the workforce and you never had a job before, then you can definitely relate to this, which is that... A lot of people will post these job ads, but they don't want to hire you unless you have any experience, right? They want to hire people who have already done it before. So, you know, your retort to that can be, well, how can I get experience if you won't let me actually do the job? And you know eventually you'll convince someone to let you do it and then of course as soon as you start working and you have experience suddenly people take you a lot more seriously and that's just kind of one of the interesting things which is that there's kind of a a narrative that you shouldn't do something because you know oh you're not qualified to do it or you don't have the experience to do it or for whatever reason you know you you'll probably fail if you do this and if you listen to all of that advice then you'll never get out of the gate but what i found interesting is when i encounter that kind of of negative feedback if i push through and actually try it then within about 10 minutes people now take me seriously as you know as someone who knows what i'm talking about it's it's actually kind of funny how so much of just establishing yourself as an authority is just having the balls to actually do something that other people wouldn't do
1: yeah so true and that reminds me of like teaching a jujitsu class for the first time which is super nerve-wracking i mean um i i actually never found teaching adults to be too nerve-wracking and i think it's because i just i love teaching things that i'm interested in however teaching kids in front of parents is nerve-wracking and it, yeah it's, it's
0: not just the teaching it's the fact that mommy and daddy are sitting there watching and silently judging you the whole yeah. time you're doing it
1: and they're they're paying you Right. So it's like, you're kind of, you know, they're, they're watching your performance and they're, they're constantly asking themselves, is this worth my financial resources? So uh, like you said, like a lot of it is how you just own it and your attitude about it. And like I mentioned, talking about driving or shooting a gun for the first time, it's like, you have to take control of the situation. You can't just. You can't let the situation control you you have to be the the person in control of your own destiny and that involves confidence and it involves honestly an intimidation factor that is uncomfortable but again like you you mentioned becoming an expert at something you have to be you have to do it to to become an expert you know after after you do it enough times it kind of just becomes another one of those repetitive things and it becomes Habit, uh, habitual, and it doesn't, it's not scary anymore. Just like going to jujitsu class or like do, well, I can't say doing competitions isn't scary. It still is, but you know, it's, it's not as scary. I know what to expect. And, uh, yeah, you know, having another kid, it's like, a, you know, you've had, you've had, I've had two now. It's like, it, it would be scary to have another one, but it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Thank God. I don't have to actually bear children so that's where i have to give major credit to women because that's true i guess it's pretty easy for us to (laughs) that is probably the most scary thing i could ever think of
0: yeah so for our female listeners i fully understand that us talking about how bearing children is not as hard as we thought. I I get that obviously the guy doesn't have to do the majority of the work. For a woman, it's even a scarier experience because of course you have to actually carry that baby for nine months.
1: And then at the end of it, it bursts out of your genitals. So yeah, it's pretty sweet being a dude. (laughs) Thank you ladies for keeping the human race going. Anyways.
0: I have no follow-up. Yeah. Does that mean we should just end the episode?
1: (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Uh, It's kind of a mic drop. It's like once you bring up childbirth, like for me, there's nothing more terrifying than that thought. Like literally, I I don't think there's anything more terrifying than, well, maybe losing your child, but like the act of giving birth is like pretty fucking crazy. So there's not much you can really add on to that. (laughs)
0: Looking back at all of the big moments I've had in my life, having our kid was one of the most frightening and you know i'm the guy in the relationship so i can only imagine what it would have been like for my wife
1: yeah she's probably like wow i can't believe i mated with this dude who will never do a jiu jitsu competition
0: i hope she doesn't listen to this podcast
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> such a prick she's a patron so she probably actually does listen
1: your wife's a patron yes <laughs> that doesn't count That's like you signing up.
0: Well, you know what? So she was the first patron because when we set the whole Patreon up, I needed to have someone who was a patron so that I could test it, right? Like Uh I needed to make sure they were getting the emails and that when I published something, it went up to Patreon and she just never unsubscribed, which actually is kind of stupid because – patreon takes like a cut out of all of the money (laughs) that she donates so it actually would be better if she just paid me the money but i don't know Uh, it's always nice to have an extra patron i feel like i've earned that money
1: gotta pad the stats you know (laughs) but uh i guess this would be a good
0: time to thank our patrons absolutely absolutely um well you know what before we even do that we can just do a quick recap of this episode so taking the first step on anything whether it be going into jujitsu or doing your first competition or opening a business or having a kid or really any major life event when you do that it's very easy to psych yourself out of doing it because there's always reasons you can come up with as to why you shouldn't actually do this scary thing but the reality is that the more you think about these things and the more you get inside your own head the less likely you're going to be to do these things that you actually need to do to grow and improve as a person now that's not to say that every single thing that you could do is a good idea to do there are some things that you know you're afraid to do for a good reason because they're dumb things to do but what you need to do with any new initiative is you need to do that return on investment calculation in your head and once you've made the decision that something is worth doing at that point it doesn't make any sense to worry about it anymore it makes sense to start trying so that's what we would like you to take home today so just to recap the mental models we talked about here we talked about mindfulness basically the concept of focusing on and being present in the current moment The problem with the fear of the first step is the more you obsess over what's coming up and how hard something's going to be, the more you psych yourself out of actually doing it. We talked about return on investment. Once you've made a decision that something is a good investment of your time and your resources, then at that point it doesn't make sense to worry about it anymore. It makes sense to actually go ahead and do it we talked about investing in a loss and how one of the scariest things of any new first step is the fear of loss of humiliation all of these things are scary and that's understandable but that's really the ego talking what you need to do is you need to develop that mindset where you look at loss as a learning opportunity and as an investment in your growth We talked about defensive thinking, which is the practice of coming up with excuses before you've even done something. And Matt, you gave that great example of people who (laughs) kind of give themselves permission to lose in a tournament before they've even stepped on the mat. That's really a bad habit to develop because although you can masquerade it as, you know, self-deprecating humor, the reality is you're basically setting up failure before you've even tried. And that's a very self-destructive habit.
1: It's a good way to lose yeah
0: and we talked about emotional contagion which is how the emotions and the mindset that you bring to the table actually have a contagious effect on the people around you so when you do bring in this kind of like toxic mindset it's not necessarily just you that you're impacting you are sending a signal to the people around you as to what kind of behavior is accepted and if you've ever worked with a really toxic coworker, then you know exactly how damaging this can be so, Matt, with that said, before we get to the patrons, something I actually wanted to bring up, I don't really have a question today, but I have more of a listener update. We've got this guy named Sean. He's a listener who I've been going back and forth with through email for a while. I think I told you about this. Uh, he's in Florida, and of course, he's he's concerned because of the COVID situation down there. But I got a message from him the other day saying that in a work accident, he actually had lost two of his fingers.
1: Ew, Jesus. I know.
0: And you know what's interesting is he said that what would really make him feel better is if we gave him a shout out on this podcast. I don't know why that would make him feel better. I don't know why anyone would care. (laughs) But here you are, Sean. Here's your shout out. (laughs) Sorry about your fingers. Jeez, one of my best
1: friends lost a finger. He's a carpenter on a saw. God, that would suck. So sorry about your luck there, Sean. Hopefully, there weren't your uh, banging fingers. (laughs)
0: You know, I'd be more concerned about whether they're your gripping fingers for like collars and lapels. Yeah,
1: I'm always, when I think like that, I always think about Machado, how one of his hand has like no fingers on it and he's still awesome. So not the worst thing in the world.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things where, I mean, I know people who have lost fingers before. It's a very common thing. and. What I found interesting is how quickly you seem to be able to just get on with and move past that. Like, I mean, obviously it sucks, you know, it's great to have all of your fingers, but I mean, I would, I would just keep your head up and just keep at it because I'm pretty sure that you're going to find a few years from now, you know, it won't really be impacting your quality of life as much as maybe it feels like it would right now.
1: Yeah. You'll get used to it. I don't, I have no idea. I, I have all my fingers. Thank God. But I'm assuming you're going to get used to it.
0: Well, I'll say this. I mean, I have all my fingers and I don't play any type of spider guard or anything anyway. So if I can adapt my game to not have to use those kinds of grips, then I'm sure you can too.
1: I mean, look on that the br- a terrible motivational
0: speech. <laughs> I mean, look
1: on the bright side. You can't get arthritis in those fingers anymore. That is true. Yeah
0: i hope this guy's not a patron
1: <laughs> please don't stop paying <laughs> up
0: so now we can finally thank the patrons so again uh this train wreck is supported by people on patreon if you found this helpful we would greatly appreciate your support you can support us on patreon at patreon.com bjj mental models again that's patreon.com bjj mental models if you get value out of the podcast then supporting us on patreon is the single most helpful thing you can do to help us continue making the show so thank you again to all of the patrons who support us
1: yeah i just want to say guys i really appreciate the support and uh, something i've started doing is um i'm trying to film more techniques and do video breakdowns of roles and things like that for you guys so just thinking of new ways that we can give content to you and if you have any ideas or maybe you even have uh, competition footage that you would like me to look at you can always Uh, send it in and we also have the discord chat where we already are speaking to um, a bunch of patrons so um, would love to offer our services to you guys however we can
0: yeah we've got this discord chat going we're really trying to create a two-way conversation with the listeners and also to create a community of conceptual grapplers people who want to share their experience and get feedback from each other so matt and i have been on there watching people's competition footage and giving them feedback so if you've got anything that you would like us to review or critique then that's the place to do it that's the place to send it to us
1: Mm mm-hmm and yes thank you so much you guys it uh really motivates us to give you more content give you the best stuff we can and again open for more ideas whatever you guys need
0: absolutely yeah if there's anything that you think particularly would be worthwhile we're happy to hear it in terms of things that we could create that would help you guys get better not just to jujitsu but actually just a kind of all aspects of life that's sort of the concept of the show if you want to learn more about what we talk about here on the show you can go to bjjmentalmodels.com that website is where you can find our database of mental models and get more context on the concepts we talk about here you can also go to bjjmentalmodels.com store where you can pick up gi patches t-shirts and hoodies you can go to bjjmentalmodels.com join and get on our mailing list and you can check us out on facebook and on instagram matt you're still dying of heat exhaustion over there
1: so i i've literally opened my front door so anyone who walks by right now is gonna see me in my underwear talking about (laughs) jujitsu
0: that's funny because i am sitting in my daughter's room so i am staring at a rocking horse as i'm talking right now there's also play-doh all over the ground what else is here there is don't you clean uh, up no, no, no. Like, I mean, like, not like blobs of Play-Doh, oh. like her containers of Play-Doh were stacked over in the corner.
1: Yeah. Does it remind you of her?
0: You know, I I miss her terribly, honestly. <laughs> I think we mentioned earlier on the show that my wife and kid are out of town, so I'm, I'm very lonely. I mean, I've been trying to fill the void with video games, but honestly, there's no substitute.
1: But you don't seem to miss your wife, bringer of children and cleaner of cat litter
0: box. Well, I mean, the thing is, you know, my daughter she's got certain games that have to be played right like i don't know if she's getting all of the painting done that she needs to do you know we race around the house i don't know if that's being done right now you know we have all of these daddy daughter activities that i just don't know if they're happening and you know that to me is priority that's fair (laughs) plus my wife is probably just as happy to have a break from me (laughs) so yeah (laughs) it is kind of nice to you know just kind of like get away and have a moment to yourself that is one thing about you know when you start getting adult responsibilities is it is nice every once in a while to just take a break and go back to just being on your own and not having to worry about
1: anything yeah you gotta take it where you can and definitely when you have kids there you are tied up a lot more but you find a way and they enrich your life so much so I recommend absolutely it. have some kids I, you know
0: i'd love to do an episode on fatherhood or i i guess parenthood at some point that would be a really interesting thing to do because jujitsu is so much about kids it is a very kid-friendly sport so something to think about i would like to do that at some point
1: yeah for sure let's do it but you know what
0: i want to do now is i want to go back to the couch i want to play last of us 2 until about 4 a.m and i want to eat some ice cream wow are you gonna do that maybe i'll get back to you sweet <laughs> all right thanks a lot everyone take care guys take care guys bye